1: Welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays, a weekly roundup of markets and ETF news. My name is Sean Alaka. I'm editor in chief here at ETF.com. With me are my colleagues, we have Sameet Roy, who's our market analyst and our managing editor, Heather Bell. So welcome to both of you this morning. Um, we'll dive right in with the markets, which have had One heck of a week, to put it lightly. Um, There was heavy sell-offs, obviously, and just a ton of um, ton of volatility. Um, So, I think the S and P 500 is down like 19% from its all-time high in in the past few months. So, heading dangerously close to a bear market. I think the difference this time between some of the volatility we've seen in recent years, which we saw back in 2018 and obviously the beginning of 2020 is that we aren't seeing those rebounds that we previously, or at least not yet. It seems that investors just simply aren't buying back this dip. There's a lot of concern, in fact, from investors about that. So we're going to dive into what's going on out in the markets. And then I also wanted to touch briefly on some of the the stern statements that um, SEC Chairman Gary Gensler um, said that Heather actually reported on earlier in the week about the risks involved with complex investment products leverage ETFs, inverse exchange traded products and and the like. So we'll dive into what that means for the industry as well. But let's start with the markets. Consumer sentiment hit the lowest level since 2011, I think, which is something Sumit actually reported on this morning. So the general public not happy with the markets, very wary of the markets right now. And as well, you know, maybe they shouldn't be. It's it's been pretty brutal out there. So Sumit, we can start there. What is going on
0: out in the markets? Yeah, Sean. Uh, like you said, we got super close to that bear market level on Thursday. The S and P five hundred down something like eight point five percent to trough at the lows on Thursday. It did recover a little bit by the end of the day. We we're down eighteen percent, and we're up another two two and a half percent today. So finally, there's a little bit of from that down twenty percent level, which is somewhat recurring. Investment. Now, 20%, that's essentially, like you said, that level that people consider the threshold that separates a bull market from a bear market. I wrote up a story yesterday talking about this, and essentially 20%, it's a quick rule of thumb, quick and easy. 20% down, that's a bear market, but it's kind of arbitrary, right? It could have just as easily been 30% or 40%. So where you put that cutoff, that's completely up to you. But I think there's a consensus out there among investors that 20% is a good solid number to use when you're talking about the S&P 500. Now for individual stocks and sectors, 20% is kind of meaningless, right? They're going up and down that much all the time, right? We see individual stocks up 20% today. Um, So But when you're talking about the the market in general, the broad market, it's not that often that you see a decline of that magnitude 20%. That is a lot. So it has some significance, for example, with the S and P 500. In fact, if you look over the past decade, we've only had one decline of 20% or more on a closing basis. That's that COVID crash in March of 2020. Before that, it was all the way back in the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, that you saw another 20% decline. And then before that, in the early 2000s, during that dot com uh, bursting of the bubble, we've had a bunch of sell offs that took us to the brink of a bear market, which is down 19% and change. In 2018, we saw that. In 2011, we saw that. And we'll see if the current sell off ends up like that, where we escape a bear market just barely. So we'll see right now it's looking good, but it's way too early to say. Um, So yeah, yeah, only one actual bear market in the last decade that tells you uh, how infrequently these come along. Uh, But unfortunately, when they do come along, at least in recent history, it's been pretty bad. If you look at the last few times that the S&P 500 dropped 20% on a closing basis, it's tended to get much worse after that. It doesn't mean it's always going to be like that, right? If you go back to the 80s and the 60s, there's been a, a couple of cases where the index fell 20%. And then it only fell a little further, like 22% or 26%. But obviously, when you're talking about the last few times it's happened, you're talking about the COVID crash, the financial crisis, the dot com bubble bursting. Those have been massive declines, right? The COVID was actually the best of those three. It only dropped 35% but during the financial crisis and the dot-com bubble burst, we dropped over 50% in S&P 500. So 20% very significant, but no guarantee that anything worse is going to happen. We just have to watch and see 20% is just a number that, you know, signifies, you know, this is a major sell-off in the market, but it doesn't necessarily tell us how bad things are going to get. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Are we headed into
2: a bear market? Well, I I mean, I've been convinced we were headed for a bear market for a while. Um, You were talking about how, you know, 20% declines in stocks aren't unusual and not that unusual for sectors. Um, But I'm looking at the sector breakdown for the S&P 500 and communication services, consumer discretionary. And technology are all down 24 to 28%. Um, so that's three, I think, of the, you know, biggest or most important sectors that are clearly struggling. The only one that's up is energy, which is up, and I'm talking on a year-to-date basis. Energy is already up, uh, let's see, looks like almost 41% year-to-date, but everything else is In a decline. Um, Utilities and consumer staples are only down like less than 2% year to date, but everything else has is down significantly in terms of sectors.
0: Right. You make a good point, Heather, right? The broad market has actually been very resilient during this downturn that we've seen. And that's largely because the fang stocks, the mega caps, they've been actually holding up very, very well. Apple, Microsoft, they're not down all that much. Obviously, they're starting to sell off now. But if you look at pockets of the high growth universe, I think someone put up a stat the other day that in the triple Qs, the NASDAQ 100, 50% of those stocks are down 50% or more. So those are massive massive declines so parts of the stock market are in a brutal bear market it's just not necessarily showing up in that broad market index like the s p 500.
1: yeah so i guess to kind of parse that out because there's a lot going on in the markets there's obviously high inflation that we haven't seen in a while there was interest rates hikes that just took place from the fed and some probably more on the horizon this year, and then there's also like geopolitical concerns and the, the hostilities that are going on in Ukraine, and what's that? What, what's happening there? What's happening with the supply chain? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think to, that if you take them separately and see, I mean, how, how how does it look, Heather, when you break down some of those sectors in terms of of the impacts of all of these things together? Because it feels like was was it a lot about Ukraine recently? Um, is it more about inflation? What do you see moving forward?
2: I I don't. I don't want to even speculate on what's to come, but I think this is, well, Ukraine-Russia has exacerbated, um, I'm sorry, the Ukraine-Russia conflict has exacerbated um, inflation that we were already expecting. Um, And, you know, a lot of that is caused by um, supply chain issues. Um, And if you're looking at things like consumer discretionary, which is the hardest hit sector, that's pretty dependent on supply chain. Um, So it's um, like, I I hate to even speculate as to what is to actually come, but I do think we are going to hit that bear market point. Um, I think it's just, that's where the trajectory of the market is headed and the energy sector, the loan outperformer still isn't gonna be enough to pull us out of that unless some of the other sectors have a turnaround.
1: And, and so what, what do you think, Samita? as well? I mean, what are you seeing out there? Do you think we're heading for the bear market? Obviously, we're very close. And if we do kind of get into that, what does that mean for the, for the industry, which, you know, ETF industry basically tracks indices? I mean, are there safe havens?
0: Right. I, I, I don't know if I want to necessarily make the call. Are we going to hit the bear market or not? I, I hope we don't, right? That's not good for anyone. Uh, but like I said, even if we do fall a little bit under 20%, it's not necessarily the case, it's going to get much worse. What I'm keeping an eye on though is inflation, but I think all the worries in the market right now stem from inflation, right? Inflation has caused interest rates to spike up, has caused this um, slowing of the housing market, right? Because mortgage rates are going through the roof and it's causing a slowdown in the economy, which is slowly reverberating into earnings and things like that. So. If the Fed can somehow get a grapple on inflation, I think that's going to bode well and will somehow escape a bear market. If inflation stays elevated and the Fed just has to keep hitting on those breaks, then I think you know we're just going to fall into the bear market. In terms of safe havens, there's really not a lot of places to hide right now, right? The bond market is having one of its worst years in history. That's tra- traditionally been the safe haven, treasury bonds usually rally when the market is going down. It's, it's almost unheard of to see the S&P 500 down almost 20%. Yet, bonds are also having a brutal year, I think you probably have to go back into the stagflationary years of the 70s and 80s to see something like that. So I think if you're talking about safe havens, obviously, energy has done relatively well. But I wouldn't really hang my hopes on that. Because if we do fall into a recession, then energy is going to get hit hard as well, right? So I think you do want to stay in the bond market, but you want to stay in the short duration part of the bond market. That way, you're not getting hit as hard if interest rates keep going up. Yet you're still generating some yield. The yields on the short duration ETFs are pretty good. Actually, right now they're around, you know, 2%. They could head even higher if the Fed keeps hiking rates. So that's really your only safe haven. And, and if you want to go to that commodity area, because commodities have performed pretty well in this inflationary environment, gold seems to be somewhat decent. It's up slightly this year, so I think that could be, you know, somewhat of a safe haven. But uh, personally, I like short duration bonds as a place to hide out right now if that's, you know, what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, super interesting. I know it's hard, it's so hard to, to speculate on what's gonna going to happen, especially when we've seen so many like unprecedented things happening in the markets in recent years. It's it's a tough tough call. Uh, I don't envy a lot of the analysts out there, even some of the financial advisors that are, that are trying to um, you know guide their clients and things through this. Um, but you know what I did see interesting, and, and you wrote about this too, Heather, recently was some of the inflation um, fighting ETFs, you know, to keep to keep on the topic of inflation where they they're trying to fight inflation i think there was a couple that rolled out recently or late last year there was uh, horizon kinetics and some others but can, can you talk to us a little bit about those in, inflation fighting etfs um how how they work and have have they seen a lot of inflows recent in recent months
2: um yeah uh i can talk a little bit about those um <laughs> they're infl and fcpi one is from horizon kinetics that's infl and then fidelity has fcpi uh i've talked about this before on the podcast where they're two very different funds infl takes a global perspective it's actively managed fcpi is an index-based fund and it focuses on the us so i'm just wondering if fcpi because of its u.s focus might get hit a little harder if it's the u.s economy that's taking the downturn um but um they're both up like i well actually i think infl is slightly down um fcpi is actually down um a bit more than that so that kind of does bear out my theory there um But they're down less than the overall market that they correspond with. So, like, INFL is outperforming um, the ACWI, um, and FCPI has been outperforming VTI, the Total Market U.S. Fund from Vanguard. Um, But I think with INFL, at least, I'm not sure about FCPI's actual, like, directive. Um, INFL is kind of like an asset light approach I believe um so I think that's affected less by inflation um so yeah those funds are kind of more of a refuge even if they're down they're down less than the market Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that is something to think about um and then there's also the possibility of covered call strategies I've been looking into that as well uh the uh JP Morgan Fund, JEPI, and the Amplify Fund, um, uh, DIVO, they're both uh, outperforming um, kind of like the S&P 500 for the year, so uh, year to date so far. So that might be another p- place to hide, but um, that you've got to be comfortable with the uh, additional options risk that you take mm-hmm. um, when you invest in like a covered call strategy. Right, Any
1: additional probably in pricing and i think that's that's a great segue heather too um, into kind of what we wanted to also touch base on which was gensler's remarks at an industry event this week that, that you also covered heather in some really great reporting um, about the risks with and um, with complex products um, you know it's not the first time gensler's talked about this has been in the, been ringing the bell on on some of these things ever since he came on board especially in terms of online brokers and investing apps like Robinhood, where you can do some options trading and um, some of the know your customer rules, whether they should be allowing just anyone to, to have access to those products. And also some of the gamification things that he's come down on, just basically trying to obviously uh, you know promote in, investor protections and, and kind of look out for the little guy. But this time he's specifically targeting ETF products in his remarks. So, and you wrote about this, Heather, so maybe you could just kick us off uh, what jumped out to you about those remarks?
2: Well, he cited, um, I'm sorry, when I was reading his remarks, um, there were uh, footnotes in the version published on the SEC website. And in the footnotes, mm-hmm. when he talks about the risks associated with um, leveraged and inverse ETFs, they kind of point out uh, Volmageddon when you know volatility went off the charts and a couple of key VIX uh, products, kind of disappeared, basically. Um, And then also the COVID crash when so many geared ETFs and ETNs shut down because basically their assets have been completely leveled. Um, I actually, I I, I think his concern is overblown, frankly. Um, I feel like there's more dangerous things in the market than leveraged in inverse ETFs cuz you can't lose more than you put in it's not like you're doing like if mm-hmm. you do a inverse fund it's not like it's a an uncovered short or something like that mm-hmm. where you your downside is limitless you're going you're going to lose at worst what you've invested in the market and i think the issuers do a good job providing education providing notification of the risks And the other part of that is these funds do exactly what they're supposed to do. They, you know, they perform exactly as the issuers say they will perform. So I don't really think that they necessarily present that kind of systemic or system-wide risk that he is talking about when there are so many other ways I feel like that investors could be kind of like led astray. I mean, can you... Control the meme stock phase, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the meme stock trend. I mean, I think that's a very hard trend to uh, control, but I feel like that's also very risky. Um, So I don't know. Sameed, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, Heather, it's interesting. I think a lot of people had talked about the double standard of the SEC especially with regard to not approving that spot Bitcoin ETF and then them allowing these risky leverage ETFs onto the market. So it's good to see Gensler being consistent in that regard by bringing up concerns about these risky products. But now like Heather, I know you probably don't agree that investors need to be protected from these products. But I think that's essentially an age old debate about how much regulation do we need, right? Everyone is going to have a different opinion about that. But fairness, consistency and clear rules. I think that's the most important thing. um, Regardless of where someone stands on the issue. Frankly, I don't think you're going to stop people from doing risky things with their money. It's like you're not going to stop someone from going to Vegas. But you can educate and you can add some friction to the process so that they don't make rash decisions. So I don't know, I know where you stand, Heather, where do you stand on that issue, Sean? Yeah. I mean,
1: I think it's an interesting one. It's certainly kind of a theoretical debate about the guardrails that kind of regulators put on and, and where really, frankly, I mean, they've allowed a lot of pretty crazy things like you mentioned, Heather, with the meme stock stuff, which I don't even know how they could regulate that. But um, also just in terms of what, what they're allowed in some of these apps and the gamification, the architecture that removes the friction that you talked about Smith. Um, and actually encourages day trading and frequent trading, um, things that, you know, are pretty widely researched and regarded as as riskier behavior than just buy and hold that, you know, uh, strategies, um, you know, if you're looking to get, you know, to retirement and to financial you know, wellness. Um, but on the other side, you're right, me, Can why can investors not um, choose to invest in, in, in risky products because they want to, you know, they also want to get the rewards from them. Um, so, I mean, I think that, like you say as well, like consistency is a huge part of it. And, um, you know, I think investor protection is something that they should be able to to choose their own risk levels um, and risk appetites, but they do need to be informed. And I think we need to make sure that some of these brokerages aren't inducing this behavior. If, if at least it's their education platforms and they have the right things and the architecture isn't, Exacerbating, you know, some dangerous behavior, I think it's fine to allow investors to to gain access to it. And and I feel like they have the right to actually do that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
2: I just wanted to add that when I joined Robinhood, uh, right at the beginning, I would make a trade and there would be bursts of confetti, smiley faces and like, good job type of comments from the app. And it's definitely very different now. So some of that gamification is gone it used mm-hmm. to be like playing one of the little like game apps that i have on my phone um yeah. except it was with grill money which was a little alarming to me while i was Sorry. making trades i'm like no it's not that exciting please yeah. stop
1: <laughs> it's like a, it's like a slot machine yeah. and they got they took a lot of heat for that so and they to their credit they have stepped up and they obviously took away the notorious confetti um they've increased the the limits that they put I think on options and who can trade some some more complex things so to their credit they are trying to turn things around um so maybe you know what what ends well all is well that ends well but um I think we can end on, on this question to both of you about about um cancer so obviously this SEC is not going to move on any of these things anytime soon I'm assuming maybe what soonest you'd imagine would be 2023 if not way further out in terms of maybe Limiting some of these products, or or outright even, you know banning them, et cetera. But if that does happen, what what would that mean for just some of the issuers and and, and the industry in general? Obviously, it would hamper a lot of people's businesses. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on what could potentially happen here?
0: You're talking about with regard to this the rules he's looking into, Sean. Correct. Yeah. What would that do like, long-term to the industry? I think Heather would have a better opinion of that than I would, yeah. would think Heather. I,
2: I don't know about that to me, but I do think it would like <laughs> raise costs for the issuers, and that would translate into probably higher expense ratios on these types of products. Um, I think there's mm-hmm. people would find ways around whatever barriers they put up, You know, have someone else take the test or answer the questions or whatever kind of... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, restrictions they would place on it. But it may drive more investors towards, um, you know, enlisting the help of a professional um, on one hand, because, you know, if you're blocked from doing something, it might be a wake up call for uh you know a a retail investor who was going to throw all their money into like leverage and inverse funds to be like oh maybe if they're saying i shouldn't like if they're keeping me from doing this maybe i should reach out to a professional or they might just take all their money and go to vegas i don't know i'm not really that in tuned with human nature
1: (laughs) (laughs) they might just throw it all in a robo-advisor good otherwise All right. Well, awesome. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you. Uh, Thank you to both of you. And thanks for everyone out there listening. Um, You've been listening to Exchange Traded Fridays from ETF.com. If you missed any part of the conversation, you can go to your favorite podcast app and search for Exchange Traded Fridays. We'll be uploading the episode very soon. Uh, Please do share it with friends and and listening and all that good stuff. For myself uh, and my colleagues, Samit and Heather, thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you next time.